We do not have a say in the world that we're given. We do have a say in the world that we leave behind. And the world we're leaving behind looks increasingly dangerous and hopeless at this point. We do not presume to speak or stand in the shoes of law enforcement and try to understand what it means to leave their loved ones in the morning, not knowing if they will return home alive that night. We do not presume to speak or to stand in the shoes of our African-American brothers and sisters as they try to understand what it means to leave their loved ones in the morning, not knowing they will return alive at night. The events of this past week has reminded us that we are far from perfectly safe and perfectly just society. And the roots of our disease stretch far into our past, and we will not eradicate those this morning. But as followers of Christ, we do what is given for us to do. We commit to being the hands, voice, ears, and eyes of Jesus Christ in our community. Too quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to become angry. Because human anger has never produced a godly outcome. This morning, we're going to pause and pray for the families and loved ones of those who have been injured and killed. We ask for you to pray both for the peace and the well-being of our African-American brothers and sisters in our nation and those who have taken an oath to serve and protect this nation. Church, it's time. Our first reaction should be prayer, and we're going to do it right now. Silently, in your pew, wherever you're at, please beg, please pray for peace for this nation, for our hearts. As a believer, as a body of believers, it is our first reaction to beg God when we see injustice and horrific violence. Let's take a second of silence and then I'll pray us out. Heavenly Father, may we love each other as you've loved us. May we care for each other as you care for us. May we bear with each other's grief and sorrow like you endure our afflictions. And may the light of Christ, the hope of the world, rise with healing in his wings to do what flesh cannot. Heal us, heal our land, grant us hope and peace today. Allow us to see perspectives. Allow us to love through the pain and the anger, the frustration, the lack of communication. Father, allow us to see this from your vantage point. Allow our hearts to be broken because of the tragedy that is befalling the United States. God, we beg this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're anything like me, these past few days have been full of fear, frustration, and shock. Now, I'm a human being that kind of wears his emotions on his sleeves. Uh, normally, I am Tigger. I bounce around and smile a lot. I'm the Lavador Retriever that doesn't really know what's going on, but I'm wagging my tail and just happy to be there. Um, but not this week. In the halls of this church, at home with my wife and my kids, interacting online with social media with my friends, phone calls, you name it. It has just been an absolute gut punch for me to see what our country is going through, what God's children are doing to each other. 
All these emotions are reasonable, but if we only feel our way through this grief, nothing will truly change. It's dangerous to sit in front of the TV or PC and feed into the violence. I found myself on social media constantly trying to figure out what's going on, who, what, where, when, and why. It, it, it became this monster, this fire hose of negativity. And even worse is to gather with others and speak venom. As emotional creatures, we can only take so much before it starts bubbling and spilling out. Let us be very careful who we speak to. Let us be very careful of our opinions. Let us be very careful that we don't spread venom and evil and even more pain. It's dangerous. I feel like we're being herded by the enemy to put in one camp or another. I feel like media is telling us to pick a side and hate the other side because of the pain they've inflicted. Church, we need to be very, very careful. We need to be brave enough to live in the tension between these two perspectives. Be careful, church. There is a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain. We, church, need not take a side. We need to chase after our faith in Jesus Christ and love. I'm nervous about this message this morning. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Tom came to me a couple weeks ago and says, hey, John, would you like to preach on hope? And I go, yeah, that'd be cool. Hope, fun, yay, hope, yay. And then this week happened. And hope looks different in a hopeless situation. I stand here ill-equipped. As you noticed, I'm a tad bit white. I am not in law enforcement. And I am definitely not an expert on racial reconciliation. I'm just John. I'm a guy that is mourning for our country, for my friends, for my family. I'm a person that is scared of what's happening around them and I'm wearing these emotions. And so I'm here not to give some great piece of advice, but to point to Jesus. Shocking I know on a Sunday morning at a church. That's all I can do. That's all I feel like we need to be reminded of this morning, that we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope. Sometimes problems seem so large and complicated that we're paralyzed by fear. Have you ever been there like me? Where something looks so big that there's no way I can deal with it, so I kind of slink away and say, that's a bummer? I would rather stumble taking a wrong step forward than brush aside what is happening in this country. It is time, church, to open our eyes shut our mouths and listen. It's time to let our prayer life move us to action. I feel like one of the very first things we do as a community of faith, so if you're, the, if you're a first time guest here, if you're, if you're kind of checking this out or maybe somebody bribed you or blackmailed you to be here, I'm glad you're here, that's fantastic. But church, if you've been here a long time, it's our job, our first reaction should be to pray. I hope it doesn't stop there though. Because God equips and sends those who pray. Church, it's time to be reminded of the hope that we desperately cling to when the days are as evil as they have been. This morning, we are ending the series, This Is My Song. A few months ago, the church asked you, hey, what, what's on your top five playlist? What do you enjoy? What, what kind of Christian music you like? We've got hymns, we've got contemporary stuff, we've got stuff from Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, not a lot of screamo or punk, but that's cool. Um, we've got a lot of stuff. And a, a few songs that came evident this week were... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can only imagine, and when we all get to heaven. 
These songs remind me of the hope that we have in God. The hope that we find today through eternity. So we're going to look at a few passages of scripture and try to uncover this hope. How we hold on to it. How we believe and how we do something with it for this world, this broken world that we interact with. So if you'd like to, you can open up to Romans 5. You can bust out your Bibles. You can bust out your tablets or phones. If you want to go analog, there's always paper floating around someplace, paper Bibles in your pews. Um, but as you do that, it's, it's not shocking what's happening in our culture right now. There is violence, pain, frustration, brokenness, and death because this world is broken we live in a society, we live in a day and age, we live in a completely jacked up situation. And it wasn't like that always. A long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, God decided to create a couple, a man and a woman. And he put that man and woman in paradise. And in this paradise, there was no crying, no disease, no clothes, no work, but that wasn't why it was paradise. It was paradise because Adam and Eve walked with God, talked with God daily. Unlike today, when we think Jesus take the wheel, he, he literally is there. Adam and Eve walked with God, had conversations with God, probably lost in trivial pursuit with God. This was paradise. But like that couple, you and I came to a crossroad and we chose poorly. Some of you know the story. They had a decision to make. They said, you know what? I can choose my relationship with God, my faith in who he is and how he keeps me safe and loves me, or I can go my own way and try to figure things out. Just like you, just like me. So I'm not blaming Adam and Eve. If it was John and Stacy, I'd be like, Apple, cool, all right, here we go. Because I'm kind of an idiot that way. We, like Adam and Eve, make wrong choices and we say, you know what, God, that way's fine for you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. And when Adam and Eve decided to do that take, that, take that branch left, they immediately became enemies of God, rebels, terrorists. Paradise was gone. Not only were they kicked out of a place where they didn't have to work, they didn't have to wear clothes, but more importantly, they were kicked out of a place in a position where they were no longer, no longer family members with God to walk and talk with God daily. Because of this broken society, because of this broken world where sin entered, we now have death, we now have disease, we now have pain like nothing else. But because God loved us so much, he said, you know what? Just because you've turned your back and just because you've ran away, you're still my kids and I love you, I'm gonna chase after you. And so he used the Israelite nation to be the hope to this world. And there were ups and downs with the Israelite nation, positives and negatives, but he basically had a spotlight on them that said, if you want a better relationship, if you want back with me, these are the people you need to talk to. And then something perfect happened. And this is the greatest story in history. This is probably why you're here. This is why we built this building. This is why we have this land. This is why we worship. Jesus Christ came to this world, not out of obligation, but out of love. He came through a virgin birth, lived a perfect life, and died an unnecessary death on the cross so that you and I can be family members with God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Romans 5.8 says this, and I, I 
absolutely love this piece of scripture. It's so short, it's quick, but it's to the point. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, dot, 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 while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even knew we needed help, God's love brought us back to a place where we could be family. Before we even knew we were outsiders, even before we knew we were enemies, even though we knew that we were rebels and chasing, or running away from God, God was chasing after us in his son, Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded that our hope is in Jesus today. Through the out of control that's happening in our world, in our society, we need to put a spotlight back on that hope. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now let's unpack the word justified, because that's a pretty church word. You're not gonna hear that in Starbucks most often. But justified means this, to declare innocent or guiltless because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God has a perspective of us that we can't even fathom having. You and I have a past, probably have a present. I can remember the dumb things I've said. I can remember the times I've stuck my foot so far in my mouth that I've damaged and injured people. But God doesn't. He says, if I stand, if you and I stand in the shadow of the cross, because of Jesus' work on the cross, we are found guiltless. We are found innocent. Can you see yourself? Do you look at yourself in the mirror and think guiltless? Heavens no, I don't. I look and think, man, I'm a jacked up guy. It's ridiculous. God does something that I can't even fathom, but because of Jesus Christ, he looks at you and I and sees innocent. He sees his children. He sees family. He loves us. This gives us certainty of Christian hope. This is it, guys. Before we even knew we had a problem, God sealed it. He took care of it because he loved us. We are given peace with God because of that justification. Remember when I said outsider, enemy, sinner, rebel? Because of Jesus, we are now family. We are no longer God's enemy. We have assurance because God's love for us. He sent Jesus to take our place on the cross. Something that we deserved, he said, I can fix this, but it's gonna be very painful. But it, you're worth it. You are worth it. Now we can stand firm and secure in this new relationship because of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, three through five says this. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never uh, perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. Talk about hope. This hope that we have in Jesus, it never perishes, spoils, or fade. 
unlike our relationships, unlike our cars, unlike our careers, unlike our bodies. This will never perish. This will never be stolen from us. This is locked up secure. Not only is it locked up secure, we are shielded by God's power. You and I did not do anything to get into his good graces, but he just simply loves us. And he says, I'm gonna put that love to the test and I'm gonna show you through my son, Jesus Christ. Nothing can take that away. Let me give you an illustration. It might work, it might not. God creates this big giant family room in the desert. On the outside, it is pain and misery and enemies all around. It's sinners, it's people like you and me, and we can't get in it. There's no door. We can't earn our way in. We can't give our last name. We can't tip the bouncer. We can't get in. God saw this and thought, you know what? I love you so much, I'm gonna make a door. And that door is Jesus Christ. Because of his grace and power on that cross, we now have an entry. And not only did he create this place for us, not only did he create the door for us, he invites us and pursues us and chases after us. Guys, we are wanted. And because of this justification, we are allowed to come in, not because we've earned it, but simply the door has been opened by Jesus because he loves us. And when we stand in this family room, we are now daughters, sons of God. We are innocent. We are guiltless. We are loved no matter what we have done, no matter what anyone else has done, no matter how broken we are, God says, I don't care, you're my kid, I love you. But only through the door of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, not government, not who you plan on uh, voting for in a few months, not in the goodness of our actions, not in our personalities. Jesus is our hope. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We all suffer the effects of sin, sickness, death, hunger, war, disease. When living in a broken system, we will be broken. We will break other people. This comes as no shock. We are broken. Suffering is the experience that we find in life that crushes us both physically and mentally. C.S. Lewis, author and all-around hero, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That's the idea. God gets our attention uh, God gets our attention very well when we're in pain or we're experiencing troubles and suffering in this life. When things are going well, we don't pay much attention to him. I don't know about you, but that hits about right here. Man, I want to say, I want to stand here and be like, yeah, man, kumbaya, everything's great. I'm going to rely on God. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Pain is a megaphone for me to listen, to stand up straight and be like, what? I need to hear this. I need to chase after this. It's easy to rejoice in our pleasures and comfort, but Paul is asking us here to do the difficult we are to rejoice in our sufferings. Doesn't seem to make sense. Let's break it down. Three steps that he gives us that might help us do what seems like the impossible. Number one, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance can be translated here as patience. And that patience gives us the ability to bear with whatever this world throws at us. Think back five, 10, 15 years when you were living in a situation that was awful, that you had no idea how you were gonna get through. 
you made it. Not without some scars, not without some baggage. God gives us the power to bear what this world is going to press against us. God gives us this, that, that power to bear what this world throws at us. Perseverance uh, produces, or I'm sorry, suffering uh, produces perseverance. Perseverance uh, works character. Because of these sufferings, we are given the power by God to be refined and changed into his likeness. Because of this friction, because of this suffering, because of the garbage that life gives us, we are being refined. We are being whittled down to be more like Jesus every day and less like ourselves. I have never seen a better faith builder for me than seeing somebody who was an outsider, hated God, slowly but surely become somebody who was a follower of Christ, still imperfect, still with hangups, still with baggage, but chasing after Jesus. He's a different man. She's a different woman. Proven character turns sound doctrine into sound practice. When we are refined, when we practice what we preach, when we have character, we can live out God's commands. We can chase after him. Proven character produces hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. This strengthens our hope that God is more powerful than our greatest fears or anything that the world can throw at us. So, Paul says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance works character, and proven character produces hope. We find in Romans 5.5, 5, this last section, and hope does not put us to shame, because God, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This can be translated as shame or disappointed. The world, the enemies of Christ, are basically going to mock us. When we stand firm in the hope of Jesus Christ, people are going to look at us and think, <laughs> you're weak, you're not that bright. It's a crutch. You've got an issue. We can stand firm in that hope. He promises and delivers. We don't have to be ashamed. Jen Hatmaker, author, mom blogger, said on Facebook the other day, just a quick word to anyone who feels stuck and hopeless. I keep thinking about this phrase in Romans 5, don't be ashamed to hope. There's no shame in banking on God's love to prevail, his spirit to win the day. That doesn't make you naive or foolish. This has been poured into your heart. Hope is the believer's response and gift. So go on and hope for a relationship to heal, that child to come home, that goodness to rise up in the midst of some horrible darkness. The Holy Spirit is pouring that very love into your thoughts, your feelings, and your heart. Hope is our anthem, and we can sing it in the dark even before a glimmer of light arises. Let hope rise, dear ones. It's never too late. Now, on weeks like this, looking around, it may, you may say, you know what, we're, we're, we're losing the battle. Things are getting worse, not better. Jesus is being maybe shuffled down in our public schools and, and things are absolutely out of control, maybe we're just gonna lose. We need to be reminded that God hope, God's hope also reminds us that he wins. Even though the battle looks lost, he's going to win the war. Even though we're down at halftime, remember, we're still on the winning team. Revelation 21, one through five says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and the, uh, had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city in Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Right back to paradise again. 
They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who's seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. We can stand firm in a hope that's not just for today, but it's also for the, for the last chapter of eternity. Now that we've been reminded what hope is, how we can stand in it, what do we do? How do we walk out of here different? Instead of just having a conversation, oh yeah, our world's jacked up, it's pretty bad out there. What do we do about it? Church, it's time. Let's time, it's time, let's talk about it. Three things, live a bold life of assurance. Some of us in here, and I'm not making fun of you because I've gone through this myself, sometimes we very much live the yo-yo life with God. Up and down, up and down. I did something stupid. God hates me. He's marking it off the list. I do something great. He writes it down. God doesn't have a spreadsheet. He doesn't have a number two pencil. He's not keeping track. We need to stop living the up and down life. Some of us, our past is our anchor that says we cannot be loved. No one can love somebody as damaged as I am. I wish I had some kind of a magic wand but I don't, I got scripture. Guys, left and right, time after time after time, we have a God that is pursuing you. Pursuing whatever your past is, pursuing whatever your president, whatever you've done, whatever somebody's done to you, you are worthy of love, not love, not because you've done something, because God loves you, period. He looks at you as a child. He looks at you like you're his son or daughter. Guys, we need to break free from this and be assured of this, uh, of, of, of salvation. We stand in the, in the, um, whoa, stand in the uh, shadow of the cross. We can stand firm in that. So here's my advice. We need to be in community. Because if you've got issues, you've got that yo-yo, God hates me, God loves me, God hates me, God loves me, or you're in the situation like, man, you, you don't know my story. You need to be in community. I don't care if it's a life group, a small group, a Sunday school, you need to be plugged in someplace with other people so that you can have conversations. You can pray with them. You can see that other people are broken and that other people are striving to be more like Jesus Christ. That you can have somebody wrap their arm around you and say, I love you, you're worth it. God loves you, you're worth it. Be a part of community, don't be separated from the herd. Number two, influence others. You can be a catalyst for change in your circle by living out proven character. Most non-Christians I know, family or friends, will basically tell me one thing. The reason I'm not a Christian is, I know a Christian with weak character. Most of my family looks at me and says, why would I dare bother be a Christian? I know this guy at work and he's a liar, he steals, he's an absolute punk. He says one thing and does the other. Why would, I, why would I bother ask any questions about that? Guys, you and I, we can't be perfect, but it's time to stand firm and speak what we do and do what we speak, church. Let us strive for Jesus Christ. Let us be more like him today than we were yesterday. Let's be more like him tomorrow than we are today. Let us be people of proven character. Not perfect, but more like Jesus Christ every single day. You know what's attractive? Integrity. You want to influence people around you? Be who you say you are. And be humble enough to share that you are also imperfect. Number three. Represent hope to a broken world. 
I think it's time to start hanging around people that don't look like us. I think it's time that you look at your circle, your friends, your family. If we are people that hold on to the hope of Jesus Christ, it is time we share that hope. It is time for us to hang around people of a different color. It's time to shut our mouths, open our ears, and live a life of integrity around people that don't necessarily run in our circles. We can pray. We can have assurance. We can go home and close our doors. Church, we can do this because it's not coming from the government. It's not coming from a leader. It's not coming from anyone but Jesus Christ. It is our job to reflect the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to others. It is time to start hanging around with people that don't look like you. Seek unity. Pray for what that looks like in your life. I don't know what that looks like. I, um, I probably have some garbage in my heart from growing up with grandparents that uh, were definitely not PC. And if I don't beg God to root that garbage out of me, I'm gonna live a disgusting life and maybe even pass that on to my kids. How dare I? So whatever that looks like for you, live in unity. Matter of fact, Ephesians 4, 2, through, two and 3 says this, be completely humble and gentle, church. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. This was not if it's convenient. This is not if it's not all that big of a deal. If you find yourself in a situation, tells us that we need to make peace because we are the peacekeepers. We are the harbingers of reconciliation. We should know what hope looks like. We should know what changed lives look like. So we should do it for the people that don't necessarily look like us, act like us. We need to get out there and create peace. So what if we stepped up today and lived a life of hope? What if we did become harbingers of peace and reconciliation? How would that change your family? How would that change your relationship with your boss, your neighbors. Can you think, just quickly, dream with me for a second. You as an individual might not be able to change everything, but we as a body of believers, we as Christ's called kids can do so much through the hope of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what you can do in your family, in your community, in your home?